that. So I'd like to call Jonathan Pasquale up. Let's give him a round of applause because he's going to bless us with the word. I'm going to pray for Jonathan. I'm going to brag on Jonathan a little bit. He's become one of my really good friends since you moved here. How long ago did you move? It's like two years? Um, a year and a half. It feels like I've known him forever. When I first met Jonathan, I, was, I, uh, I had this feeling of like, I've known this guy forever. It's amazing. And I remember actually coming up to um, your wife the one day, and she was like, how did you like hanging out with John? Because we went to dinner or something like that. And so I just feel like he was an old, like an old brother friend, like a friend that I've had forever. So it was just that really cool knitting together. You know, it's, I know it's David and Jonathan, but Josh and Jonathan is, is good too. We'll knit together, Josh and Jonathan. <laughs> But he carries a strong prophetic anointing, a strong seer gifting. He gets words of knowledge. He has shared many times um, seeing angelic activity in the spirit over Bristol and different areas. Uh, He's been raised up under um, some people that we really respect and honor. And so we just, Father, I just honor the anointing that's on his life. Thank you for the anointing that's on his life. Thank you for the anointing that you have anointed him with now for the people that he's going to minister to today. So, Father, just lead him and guide him. Let every word not return void. Every word that you want to speak through him, let it not return void. And I just bless him, release the goodness of God over him. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Love you a lot. Morning. Everyone good? Enjoying the beautiful weather? I took a, I took a second shower after my first shower this morning coming in, so it's fantastic. All right, let's pray. Just take your hand, put it on your head. Say, God, help. Amen. Okay, all right. I have, uh, I have the privilege of being able to actually finish out a series that Pastor Dave started back in January. And uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances, I wasn't able to finish this out probably closer to that series. But I'm wrapping up the Wonderlust series. How many were blessed by the Wonderlust series in January? Amen. If you missed any of those weeks, I, uh, I want to highly encourage you to go back. They were truly revolutionary, and and I really believe that God, it was a timely word, especially for the threshold of the new year. That conversation started over a a dinner uh, conversation that I had with Pastor Josh and Pastor Dave regarding some of the aspects of what I was observing in our leadership in my generation, and in the various aspects of ministry that I've been a part of and the things that I've been exposed to, there were some things, there were amazing things that I've seen, but there were also some things that drew some reservation in me. And there were also, you know, because how many know success will teach you, but failure will teach you just as well, if not better. Amen? And so I I learned from those in my generation and those that have gone ahead, and I was sharing with them some of the things that I've seen, and that really was one of, not the main, but one of the main factors that came into uh, creating this series about learning to, really for me to sum up that series, it was learning to walk away from the nomadic lifestyle of always moving from encounter to encounter or moving from church to church or looking for the next best thing, looking for the next fresh word. You know, I, I loved Pastor Dave's approach in so many different respects. He, ch- he talked about the attitude. He talked about the part posture. He talked about what it looks like to be present with one and, and learning to speak to ourselves and learning to value where we're at in our process in our walk with God. And I have the privilege this morning of sharing with you some of the aspects of what I have observed of learning to come away from wonderlust. And what does the outcome, what does it look like to come onto the other side of process? So much of, you know, even in the past couple years, I've seen, you know, a lot of self-preservation theology. 
you know, learning to maintain oneself coming into play. And, and while there are some aspects that are beautiful about it, learning to build one's emotional health and learning to sustain health in relationships, while those are amazing, I, I do believe that God is looking not just for us to be healthy people for the sake of being healthy, but he's interested in us in actually growing into the image of who he is. Why? For the advancement of the kingdom. So everything God does on your behalf is motivated always in love. Whether you're walking through hell or not, it's always motivated in love. He's desired and his design for you is to look like him, to talk like him, to act like him, to think like him, to smell like him. I want to make a comment this morning. If you will open with me to Proverbs chapter 14, put your finger at verse 4. You're going to get there before I do. <laughs> I want to make a comment this morning that I know is going to sound arrogant. Uh, but in my 31 years of life, I can honestly say that every, every bit of credit that's due for the ability to make this comment is due to King Jesus. I am killing it as a husband and as a father right now. I really am. I checked with my wife even. I did. I tried to check with my sons. Is daddy a good daddy? And they roared at me like a dinosaur through a banana peel and tried to burn the house down. So that did not work. Okay? So uh, if you know anything about small... Small boys, um, don't give them matches. I don't know how they keep getting them. But anyway. Mary was like, we're going to pray for your soul. <laughs> no, I am. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really good at being present on the floor with my kids when I get home. I've set up really good boundaries. Like, I, 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 I've, come away from, I've come away from the destructive tendencies that I had in me, I, I've, I've, I've yielded to the Lord. He's, he's taught me how to discipline for the sake of building my children, not for the sake of crushing them. He's taught me how to listen to them and, and to hear the desires on their heart. He's taught me how to, how to be present in their world, not just to come in and try and change the subject, but to come in and be present when they want to talk to me about why their sticker is literally the best thing about their day. And I'm like, that sticker means nothing, but because it means something to you, it means something to me, right? And, and I've... I've fallen in love with this I've fallen in love with the simplicity of their world I love being able to come home and turn my phone off or put my phone on the countertop and be fully present with them getting on the floor and wrestling like I'm the wrestle man you can actually hear as my truck backs up into the driveway it's like they it's literally my wife says it's like as soon as they hear your truck it's like gremlins after midnight they're like you know like they just start going crazy you know daddy's home it's like don't get the don't throw water on them they'll turn you know it's like but it's amazing. I, I love the connection, and I love, I love being able to say that I'm creating an image inside of them that they're not going to have to seek healing for later on in life. Huh. I love dating my wife. It's my all-time favorite thing. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is flirt hard with my wife. I love doing it in public because it makes her face turn 14, like 14 shades of red. But it's, I honestly can say that my wife has captivated me, mind, body, soul, and eyes. Six years I've been walking free of being tormented by lust and engaging in pornography. And six years I have never, I have not violated my conscience taking another woman into my heart or into my mind. I have... I have loved learning to communicate with her, speaking her language. I've enjoyed so much 
so much getting to know the woman that she is as, as a wife, but I've so much enjoyed getting to understand her as a, as a, as a mother. Like it's been like a whole, new, a whole new realm of experience. I'm getting really good at listening. I'm a problem solver. It's one of the reasons why I love being a plumber. I'm, I'm a full-blown Sherlock Holmes plumber, okay? I walk in, you've got a problem, I find it, I fix it, I feel great. In marriage, that's not always the case. Come on, can I get an amen from the husbands? Yeah, we're all going to have a healing session after this for the, for the husbands, all right? Because I'm the man that comes in and my wife begins to present a problem. And I'm like, okay, well, this is what you do. Fix the issue, we're done. Conversation over, we move on. And she's like, no, I want you to be present with me. And I'm like, why? I just told you what you need to do to fix the issue. What are we still talking about here, you know? But really what she's looking for is a companion, not a problem solver. And I've learned to be a good companion. I've learned to allow her to process with God in a way that is separate from me. And I'm okay with it. I've learned to allow myself to be emotionally healthy that I'm able to be a man of peace in my house and the, how, and the way that I govern is, under, is through peace. And what's fascinating... And the most, the most integral part of all of that, boasting in the Lord, all of it, I attribute to my, I, and I, it's completely correlated with my connection to King Jesus. There is no other way to explain it. I didn't read a self-help book. I, I, I got in the book, right? I got in the presence. But everything came, everything came from a place of being fully transparent, fully yielded and fully possessed by the king. And, I, and I, I began to see, you know, I began to see that, that God is, honest, you know what it is? It's, it's a shift in my prayer life. It, it really, I, was, I, was born, I was born in, a, in the prophetic movement. Like my, I, I was, my mom led me to the Lord when I was 11 years old. And she had had a radical encounter with the Lord. She came home totally transformed, started preaching the gospel to me, reading the Bible at, at church, or reading the Bible with me every night before we went to bed. And after about three weeks of her first encounter with the Holy Spirit, she led me to the Lord. And ever since then, I've been reading the scripture and preaching Jesus. It's just the way it is. That's all I've known. And I, I, I love those things. And I, you know, my first powerful encounter with the supernatural, I had demonic encounters as a kid, but my first powerful encounter with the supernatural was when I was 17 years old. I went to Brazil, and I can remember the second night there calling my mom after, you know, after having these inc powerful encounters during worship, like literally people thrown out, shaking under the power of God, healing signs and wonders happening literally in worship, no one praying for anybody, just the power of God showing up. And I remember calling my mom, crying, saying, Mom, everything we read is real. Everything we read is real. He's so real. I, I've seen him. I can see him walking through the crowd. And I'm in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and she's weeping on the other line. I'm 17 years old in, a brand, in another country. And ever since then, I can remember praying for revival. I, you know, everyone uses this word, revival, revival, revival. And I, I love that word. I love studying revival history and understanding the men and women of old that have gone before us, that have yielded their lives and forsaken all other things at the cost of following Jesus. And, and I remember those conversations, and I remember those stories and the testimonies and all of those things that I've been praying for those things. And I still do. I had a visitation in 2018. It's the reason why we left where we were on Cape Cod. The Lord said, I'm sending you to Philadelphia. It is your promised land. He said it to me three times. And he began to prophesy to me about what the earth and the land was about to produce. And so we said, okay. In a year and a half, we picked up our lives. We moved down here. And next thing you know, I'm good friends with Josh. And I'm sweating on the way to church coming here. You know, that's just how things happen. 
But I've started to observe that my prayer life as of late, probably the last year or two, have changed. While I believe in praying for revival, I've honestly just been praying that God would make me a good dad. That he would make me a good husband. And I, I share that with you because I am believing for a move of God and I love seeing brokenness healed. I, I love seeing, the, you know, I, I want to see the murder rate in Philadelphia decrease. I want to see, you know, I want to see the down and out preach the gospel, have the gospel preached to them. I want to watch the demoniac completely set free in the name of Jesus. I want to see prostitutes come to Jesus. I want to see the pimps and the drug lords get radically touched because there's a presence of the Holy Father on the street corners. I want to see all of it. I'm going to see all of it. And it's because I won't stop. Like, I've watched too much darkness kneel at, my, at the feet of my king. And, and for me to ever think that darkness is better or scarier is just trash. So I'm going to see him move, and I'm continuing to do so. But I'm, I also, can I just share with you, that I have a very significant problem with watching God move in the street, but my sons hate me at home, or my wife and I are not connecting, or my health is not in order, my finances are in disarray, my emotional stability is out of whack, and I can't seem to prosper, I can't seem to grow, I can't seem to just be present with my Father. I'm always seeking the next thing, but I'm praying for people in the street, so it's okay. I believe for a move of God. We are a move of God. He's a move of God through us. But there's something to say that when the kingdom moves, that God gives us permission to sustain the momentum that he releases. And far be it from me to ever allow behavior, a mindset, or a way of being, or a way of doing things in my life that would ever inhibit my ability to partner with what he's called me to. Because the dove will leave. And I never want to walk or think in a way that ever, dis- that ever hurts him, that ever makes him think that he can't trust me with something. And so as a result, my prayer life has been shifting. I- I'm-, I'm praying, for- I'm praying for- uh, to be a good dad, and I'm literally weeping. You know, I'm-, I'm taking the circumstances that I'm running into with the boys. Maybe there was a-, a-, a temper tantrum. Like literally, there was such a bad temper tantrum yesterday coming into the house. Like my landlord probably thought like my son was going to kill me or I, or via, you know, vice versa. Like it was that loud, that crazy. And so, but I've, I've learned, like I've, I've learned to be present in those moments where I don't have to freak out just because he's freaking out. Right? Like, I mean, so I'm seeing the fruit of these prayers and I'm, and I'm started to realize that God is interested in pouring himself out on a people and on, on a fully possessed bride that's so captivated with her husband that they, that they will begin to pray for the things that are on his heart for them. Because what's funny is my connection with Jesus, I didn't start praying as a father because I'm like, well, I really feel like I need to. No, like God started to direct me in that way. And it really started, can I tell you when it started? Are you okay with it? I'm going to tell you anyway because I got the mic. Okay. I wanted to learn what was, what, how to steward well what was in my hand. Because Scripture validates the fact that if we can't steward well what is in our hand or what's in front of us, how do we expect to be given more? And, and I, I want to see the city. <laughs> I, I want to see, see the streets filled. I want to see, see the down and out. I want to see the drug addict completely set free. I want to see all of these things, but it really doesn't make sense to trust God to give me that if he can't trust me to 
bless my sons, or he can't trust me to steward my relationship with my wife well, or he can't trust me with the areas. It's not about health, wealth, and prosperity. Can, can you just hear me? Like, this isn't what I'm preaching. If that's what you're getting, you're missing me. The point is, is that my Christian walk has to amount for something. The cross has to amount to something. It, the purpose of his death has to amount to something. The bloodshed has to amount to something. So when I'm washed in the blood of Jesus and I have that really powerful feeling, the sweetness of his presence comes through just like it did this morning, there's a reason why he does so. But it wasn't always like that. It really wasn't. It wasn't always like that. What it, what, can I tell you when it was? What, what shifted for me? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. It started about three years ago. It started about three years ago. God began to make war on everything. I, I can remember this encounter. I think I shared with you guys with this, or this with you uh, the last time I spoke. But I had this, uh, I had this incredibly difficult day in January of 2018. And uh, if you don't know my story, I, I was 347 pounds. I was, you know, had really severe OCD tendencies, really, really bad fear, really, really bad paranoia. Um, and God just began, and I, I used to actually, when I was driving my car home, I, it, like a five-minute drive home would take me 15 or 20 minutes because I would circle everywhere that I went a couple times to make sure that I didn't hit somebody with my car. Like when I, was, when I would, when was done using a faucet, I'd have to sit there and stare at the nozzle to make sure the water wasn't still coming out, and I left the faucet running, it would fill up and, and flood or destroy the house. Like that was, that's how bad it got. And, um, and I can remember one day particularly where this tormenting spirit was absolutely awful. And the Lord spoke to me, and I cried out to God in the middle of the night. Taylor was asleep. Nathaniel was, Michael wasn't born yet. Nathaniel was down. And, and I just, I was crying. I was like, Lord, I, I, like, this sucks. I don't want this anymore. Like, whatever it costs, I just, I need this gone. And I didn't hear anything back, and I'm, I'm getting ready to take a shower. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me. He says, I will deliver you of fear. Just plainly. I'm like, thank you. Is that all? He goes, I'm not just going to deliver you. I'm actually going to teach you how to have an authority over the governing spirit of fear. I said, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And he said, but there's a catcher. I said, what's that? He said, you don't get to tell me how I'm going to do it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Give me one second. I need to reconvene. Bear with me a moment. You know, I'm sitting there thinking. I turn around. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. You see, the scripture says, where there are no oxen, say oxen. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But strength, in, in the ESV translation, it says abundant crops. Strength or increase, in other translation, comes by the ox. So say, let's read that again. It says, where, are, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops comes by the strength of the ox. Increase comes by the strength of the ox. You see, up until that conversation three years ago, I cared more about a clean manger. I really did. Because here's the thing, there's no implication in Scripture that although your manger is clean, that you don't have a hole in the roof. There's no implication in Scripture that although your manger is clean, that there's not cracks in the foundation that's allowing water to seep up through the, through the ground. And if, if there's any tradesmen in here who have been in houses, I know you know, when you have groundwater issues, it's not fun. There's no implication that while the manger is clean, your windows are not broken and allowing draft in. 
There's no implication that while your manger is clean, that the structure of the building isn't really actually not sound. And so what you can do is, as a Christian, you can develop this, what I call the clean manger system, or the clean manger mindset, which is what I got delivered from, coming away from the wanderlust mentality. Coming away from this, this always needing something more, always needing something else, and rather than actually finding contentment with my relationship and who Jesus was to me, and moving from that place instead of constantly feeling like I'm aspiring to grow or aspiring to find something greater. No, no, no. It's like he is fully perfect in this moment right here, right now. And living okay with that. But see, this clean manger, this clean manger mentality, I, I was really okay with the fact that if my wife and I weren't fighting, it was a good day. But really, our communication was horrible. I was perfectly fine. My clean, my clean manger was that I was okay health-wise, even though I was 347 pounds, but I was, I was like on a con- consistent level of endorphins, pounding like a large pepperoni pizza, small turkey sub, and a large fry in one sitting. Like my a buddy of mine and I, before he passed years ago, he's one of my best friends of 15 years. When we would hang out, when we were living on Cape, we would, we would, we would have this running joke. We'd go into our favorite pizza shop and we'd look at each other and be like, how much work are we about to do? Like that was our running joke. But really it was, it was, a, it was a destructive thing. It's okay to have a, you know, my manger was clean in the sense that I wasn't necessarily looking at other things, but, you know, but really in my heart of hearts, I was still kind of tainted. I was still trying to find ways to sin and get away with it. My manger was clean, but my roof was leaking. My manger was clean. Everything looked pretty good. I mean, I was preaching the gospel. I was seeing God's people healed in the street. Like, my manger was clean, but there was destructive tendencies that were decaying and slowly killing me, both spiritually and physically. But then the ox. But then the ox. Three years ago, the ox showed up. And he started to shift my priorities. Because you see... Ox, have you ever seen an ox? It's a grotesque animal. Delicious meat, grotesque animal. Makes a mess. Makes a mess. Because see, the person who cares about the ox in their life, who, who has positioned themselves to posture themselves before the ox and to, carry, to care about what the ox produces in their life, see, the person that, that starts to believe that God wants something greater for their life and begins to yield their mentality and give their unconditional surrendered yes to the Father, does not care what the ox does, and does not care what kind of mess is created by the ox. Because the ox are dirty, right? So when the ox are in the manger, or excuse me, in the stable, there's going to be, there's, there's going to be a need for cleaning up after the ox. There's going to be a need to actually create a spot. You can ask Pastor Dave, he's got an entire bay now, or an entire section of his barn just for hay. Like it's a dirty section, but you need to have a section for hay, Right? Because you have to find a way to be able to provide for the ox. Because the ox, when it comes in, the ox is what's producing your increase. It's what's bringing you an abundant crop. So you don't want to not feed the ox properly because then he doesn't perform properly. So if you're going to make a sacrifice for the ox, make the full sacrifice. Right? Because you need the ox to actually eat. He needs to eat properly so that he can produce in the field. And then when he's, you know, you can't have, when the ox are in the stable, you can't have the ox getting sick. So you have to fix the windows because... Obviously, the windows can't be drafty. You can't allow air in there that's going to make the ox sick. And God forbid the ox start to have water dripping on them. Like, what? I mean, if the ox are going to be in there, you have to fix the roof. There's no other point to it. When the ox are present, you have to take care of the ox. Otherwise, all you have is just a clean stable. I'm, I'm not okay with just a clean stable, man. Like, I feel like a clean stable is such a slap in the face. To Jesus and the sacrifice, because to me, a clean stable is nothing more than complacency. I don't mean to be rude. Hear me. 
hear my heart, like, you, you know where I'm coming from. You know, like, I mean, that, I mean, for someone to have to circle the block 20, like, for 25 minutes before they can actually go home after a five-minute drive home, that's messed up. Like, that's making friends with demons, right? Like I told you, six years I've been, I've been set free of walking. I still messed up. That was, that was my history. No longer, thank you by the blood of Jesus, but I'm now able to take the darkness from once I once, come, once I once came and actually go back to it. But why? Because I started to recognize that my manger, keeping my manger clean or my stable clean was not in any way what Jesus died for me to, to possess. He was, interested, he was interested in actually bringing increase. And then after that conversation, I began to see, right in the thick of the tension, right in the thick of the frustration, I began to see that Jesus was my ox. That I started to, I started to care for the fact that the ox, when the ox was present, God began to bring a revelation that the windows needed changing. But you see, what happens, what happens, can I share with you what happens? Because we talk a lot about process. Josh and I have this running joke. Whenever we're talking about process, we always bring up Graham Cook. That was like the big thing. Anybody heard Graham Cook? Yeah, love Graham. And, and he's like, he, he, he has incredible, incredible messages about process and growing in process. But how many know that my desire for process is to come to the other side? If you're walking through the valley, how many know you don't want to live in the valley? Amen? Psalm 23 is great for when you're in the valley, but when you're actually in a place of momentum with the Father, it's also great to begin to learn how to sustain the momentum. So that way when you go back into a valley or you navigate a valley with a family member or something like that, you have tools and resources to actually do that properly so that you can walk through fire and come out on the other side without smelling like smoke. Amen? When Jesus becomes your ox... You begin to want to shift, not out of a place of responsibility to yourself, but as a responsibility to the message that he's given you. I didn't change because I had the, I had the power to. I changed because he had the power to. And I changed in my surrender, not in my ability to produce. There's a difference, hear me. The ox produces, but there's still a place of catering to the ox. There's still a place of making space for the ox. There's still a place of creating space for when the ox is there, you find ways to cater to the word of the Lord over your life. Are you understanding my analogy? You're hearing me, right? Nod your heads, yes. I get a lot of blank dear, dear looks. Okay. Why? Because what, I'm beginning to, what I began to see was that as I crossed the threshold of that point, coming into a place of wonderlust, like Dave was, Pastor Dave was talking about, there was a, sh- a shift and a transition that began to take place in my life where the inner realities of what I was beginning begun to start, started to die. The areas that needed to die in me, they began to die. But they didn't, died, they didn't die as a result of me coming and being like, okay, Lord, well, I'm going to go work on myself and I'll come back. No, Jesus actually came to me and confronted the areas of me, not for the sake of trying to crush me. He confronted because he realized that my experience of him was less than what he paid for. And out of his mercy, he began to grant me permission. He be, not permission. He began to grant me the authority and showed me how to walk those places out so that my mentality and my mindset, now I'm able to back out of a parking spot without having to worry about what was behind me. I mean, obviously, I still look. I'm not a dum-dum. But I'm saying, <laughs> everyone's like, okay, don't go on the road when John's driving. I just lost like 65% of you. I'm able, I'm able now to actually enter into a conversation with my wife when we've had a tough moment or an argument, and I'm able to actually take the low road, not because I'm trying to preserve my ego, but because I'm trying to find a way to serve her. You don't find that with a clean stable. You don't. 
You find that when the ox has produced something and as a result of your trans, being so transfixed by the ox, being so transfixed by what God has done in your life, you, find, you, you seek to be at his feet. I mean, how can we not worship him and walk away with such a, a delight of who he is to us? I started seeing as a result of this threshold crossing and, and, and God meeting me in the tension and meeting me in the, in the place. You know, I, I shared this with you last time. I'm not going to go into the details. That conversation begun a three-year process that I'm still coming out of. There are processes that I've come through and others that I'm still walking out. But the, that place, that place, that, that, that conversation was that moment of crossing the threshold of saying, wonderlust is dead. I'm divorcing it now because I'm desiring to walk in completeness and wholeness with the Lord. And it started this unbelievable awful hellish season that I would go, go through a hundred times over to have what I have with King Jesus right now. Is that video ready? Can we show that video? I want to show you what it looks like coming out of Wonderlust, and I'll be right back. I define Wonderlust as the decision to stay away from the wave. I define wonderlust as, as the place in my life where God is interested in leading me through the difficult and I'm abstaining, whether, whether due to a lack of trust or a decision simply to not want the change. But I, what I've come to realize is that in order, for, in order for me to walk out the fullness of what He's called me to, there is a place for the tension. How many know there's a place for the wave? I, I, I desire to be effective in everything. I'm not interested. Like, I, I used to have this. This was what I was telling Dave back in December. I had this desire to have a worldwide ministry. I was crazy about the idea of traveling the globe, seeing miracle signs and wonders, praying for the sick, you know, preaching the gospel on every continent. Like, I literally kept a list of all the places I'd ever speak, you know, spoke at or anything like that because I was so excited about that fact that God wanted to do something in me. And I was just telling this to the Lord a couple nights ago in prayer, a couple months actually ago, I remember, I remember saying to him, I said, Lord, thank you so much for giving me what I needed and not what I wanted. Thank you so much for meeting me with what I needed and not what I wanted because I'm finding that out of this place of the Lord saying, you don't get to tell me how I'm going to deliver you, but I promise you that I will. And leaning into trusting him in that moment helped me come away from an improper prioritization of values. It helped me walk away from destructive tendencies I had as a husband or tendencies that I had as a father that would have hurt my sons, but thank, by, by the mercy of God, I was able to say, I, I, I'm okay enduring the wave as it crashes over me because there's a new perspective that I see in the water. And so the, the, the rush and the gush of the undertow or the, the flush of water may not be, you know, the, the fire might not feel good while you're walking through it, but I know on the other side, there's a greater connection with Jesus. And as a result of that greater connection with Jesus, he makes me more effective at home. And I'm starting to see from that place of, of home, from that place of family, God is beginning to meet people in a way that I never saw when I was just praying for the sick. Like, don't get me wrong, powerful stuff was happening. I love it. I, they still happen. I, you know, I was just, but it, it's, I'm not afraid any longer of walking hand in hand with him. Like, I, I struggle with the idea of trusting God with my health. 
I didn't know what it looked like. I was, I, I, most often I struggled with the idea of trusting God with my mind. Because I had, it was such, a, run, it was such a, a chaotic zoo. And I didn't know how to control it. I didn't know how to control thoughts. I didn't know how to deal with the demonic stuff that would show up in the middle of the night. I didn't know how to deal with those. And so when I finally was like, dude, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I can't constantly move from like one good experience to the next good experience. I can't constantly run away from moments and, and places in my life that I know that need to change, but I just can't do it. And he goes, great, I'm not asking you to change. I'm just asking you to worship me. I'll bring the change. Just worship me. But dad, you don't know. Stop talking. Worship. Just Worship. And, and that's, when, that's when the wanderlust, the, the clean, stable mentality began to die out. And I started observing that making room for the ox and allowing God. And, and it's not, it's not a, it, although I'm sharing with you my line in the sand, I'm constantly drawing, lawns, drawing, lawns, drawing lines in the sand. I'm constantly, doing, every day there's a new line. Every day there's a place where I'm saying, King Jesus, show me. Revealed to me what it is. But much like we saw in that video where the second wave became more easy. And in fact, the, bird, the little piper actually anticipated the wave and even put himself in place where the wave would wash over because he knew the perspective that the wave produced. There's a place where things, where transition and, and being present with the Father becomes easier so that we're able to move out of a place of health and wholeness where we can sustain what God does in us and sustain what he wants to do through us. I was just in the truck the other day. I was, I, you know, I make it a point to minister. We've got a couple helpers at the, at the shop, and I've been running my own truck the past year. And so every helper gets the gospel preached to them. Like, if you're in my truck, it's just what's going to happen. Love you. But, and it's been awesome because God, God just meets these guys. Like, I mean, we've had guys get healed, like, right in the middle of jobs. We've had, you know, just amazing, powerful conversations. But one that I didn't anticipate, I was literally talking to this young guy, 22, sweet kid. I've just really, I just have such a heart for him and he's really connected with me as well. And we were in the truck and I, Taylor called and I put her on speaker and I said, uh, I said, you know, hey baby, what's going on? I put her on speaker. It's not awkward because I mean, I, I've known this kid for a little bit now. It's not awkward to talk with my wife on speaker or whatever. So we're in the truck and we're driving to the next job. Hey baby, what's going on? Hey, how are you baby? I'm good. Listen, we're, we're just headed to the next job. How's your day going? It's going good, good. I just, you know, I had a tough moment with the boys, but I was able to work through it, and, and this was the outcome, and this is what took place. And I said, that's amazing, honey. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. You know, how, how's everything else going? Good, good. We're just, we're just, we're about to go outside, and listen, I just want you to know I'm really excited about this weekend. I can't wait to just have some, you know, just some private time with you and I, some quiet time. I'm really excited about it. Me too, baby. Me too. Listen, I love you. I'm pulling up to this job. I'll talk to you in a little bit, okay? Hey, I love you a lot. Thanks, baby. I love you too. Click. That's it. And we're driving. We've got a couple minutes before the job. And I just hear, wow. And I'm like, what's up, dude? I need that. You need what, dude? You're happy. Like, there, I could feel love in your conversation. Like, I could feel the happiness that you have in your marriage. I haven't had that in years, bro. And, I, and right then and there, I began to share my, 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 my clean, stable mentality and my oxen mentality, where God began to minister out of family. And I started to observe that, I, yes, I'm crying out for revival. I, yes, I'm believing for a move of God in the streets of Philadelphia and the streets of Bristol. But do you want to know what revival looks like? It looks like family. It looks like broken, desolate, distraught, marginalized people from society coming in our doors and belonging, where you hug them, the way you hug me, 
even though it's been the first time you met them. Where you bring them to your table and make room in conversation for them because you've made room in conversation for your wife or your husband and you've given a place for your sons and your daughters to dream and to encounter God as a result of the fact that you are connected to King Jesus and you're creating places for connection and now revival begins to take place because God's able to trust what he's done in your life and he begins to reproduce what he's done in you. He brings the desolate and the marginalized, the tattooed, the drug addicted, the porn addicted, the, the adulterer, the divorcee, the, the, the hardship, the broken, the, the, the outcast. He brings them to your table because he says, they look like me. I want them to sit with you. You look like me. I, I want to bring my broken son and daughter to you. Because really the goal of wonderlust, the goal of walking away from wonderlust is a daily decision of encountering Jesus. Not looking for the next thing to get a high. You know, I love what Pastor Dave said. I'd never heard this before, but it was so powerful when he said it. I think it was week three. He said, we can, tr- we can actually lust after God. Where we pr- approach God for the sake of what we can get from him. I'm like, wow. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. Forever living a life where it benefited me instead of always looking at what you've done on my behalf. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Verse 22, And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. My first instinct when I read this is the fact that Jesus is God, so he has permission to say whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. Who's to say, who's to tell Jesus how to talk, right? So, and, and Pastor Dave did an, an awesome job exegeting the scripture two weeks ago, and I, I want to go a little bit deeper in because I, I, I found this scholar that approached the scripture from the Greek context, which I thought was really interesting. But it, it's very possible that Jesus from face value is simply telling this man to forsake his family. It's very possible. He said it actually multiple other times in the Gospels that, you know, he came to bring a sword. I'm here to divide bone from marrow. I'm here to divide father and son, mother and daughter. I, there, there are aspects about Jesus where we will have to forsake all things. But in this context, I found it difficult that Jesus is speaking to this disciple in the midst of powerful moves of God. Like, consider math, the entirety of Matthew chapter 8, right? We have uh, the faith of the centurion. Centurion's daughter literally gets healed with no one praying for her. Like, the disciples are watching this. Hundreds of thousands are watching this. A, a, clen- a leper gets cleansed. Uh, you know, heals, Jesus heals many. Not even six or seven verses prior, he's in, he enters Peter's house, and his mother-in-law is lying sick with a fever. She gets up, gets completely healed, and begins to serve her. Uh, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a, with a word and healed all who were sick. So the disciple that's speaking to Jesus, it's very easy to connect the fact that he's watching Jesus encounter, or watching all these people encounter Jesus in this moment. But then he says to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their dead. It's very possible that in that moment, Jesus was simply saying, let your father be buried by other people. You follow me. It's very possible. I, I, so one other scholar actually posed the, opera, posed the suggestion that this 
con the context of the scripture that Jesus is actually referring to a community within the Hebrew community that whenever they came across bones in the desert or other areas of the of other areas of the city that they would actually perform ceremony and ritual in order to bury the bones properly their death was a very significant part uh, of you know of Hebrew theology of Judaism and what's fascinating is it's very possible that Jesus was saying let the dead bury the dead in that your father will be buried by this group of people who will handle it don't worry about it but what's fascinating and I Listening to the scholar talk about the implication of this scripture, he's drawing from the tone that was interpreted by the Greek text. And he says it's very possible that Jesus isn't necessarily being semi-rude. It's also possible that Jesus isn't also referring to the Hebrew or the group of, in the community that's going to bury the dead. It's very possible this man's father's not dead. And what's really actually happening is, Jesus, is this man is actually saying to Jesus, I have responsibilities at home. This time right now is not convenient. I'm impressed with what I see. You're doing powerful things. And I love seeing what God's doing through you. But my time to follow you is not really right right now. It's just I have duties. I have responsibilities. And Jesus' response isn't necessarily to crush the man. Because even the disciple prior to him, he says, he says, Lord, I must follow you. He says, foxes have holes and birds have nests. What is he doing? He doesn't tell the man, well, your heart's not right, so you can't follow me. No, he presents the cost. And he places the cost before the man and allows the man to self-reflect. He doesn't say, you can't do this. He says, this is the cost. Are you willing to pay? And so I'd like to suggest to you that in this moment, Jesus isn't trying to crush this man, be rude or disrespectful, or even refer to, this, refer to this group that would bury this man's father. I believe that actually Jesus is interpreting and understanding the condition of this man's heart and recognizing this man is in wonderlust. He's transfixed by what's happening around me, but he's unwilling to pay the cost to actually do it, to endure what it looks like to be a disciple of mine. He's actually able to see. He sees this man's heart condition. He says, well, you, you see the lepers healed, the, the, healed, the, the sick in, in he, being in need of healing and receiving that healing. You're seeing the demoniacs healed. You're seeing the gospel preached. And as a result, you're actually observing these things. But even in the midst of miracles, this man still says, wow, God, I want to follow you, but now's not the good time. I still have other things to do. There, there are still other places that I, I, I feel responsible to. I, there's other aspects of my life that I want to see, you know, see through before I follow you. So what is Jesus really saying? He's saying, if I could suggest, call it a stretch. He's saying, let the dead bury the dead. Let, let those things pass because truly you have your moment now. Truly, you have your moment now. And, and I think Jesus is actually interpreting this man's heart and recognizing that if he's unwilling to make the decision now, he's unwilling to make the decision later. And I just... My desire is to be a, is to be a man that walks in the fullness of the portion that he wants. I want to be the full portion that he died for, like that we were singing this morning. I want to be that full portion that he died for. I don't want to just be that place of well, my, my, my stable is clean. And God goes, but where, where is the, where's the money that I gave you? Right? I, I, you know, I love, I love the parable. I believe it's in Mark. The parable of the sower or, the, the, you know, the, the, the parable of the talents where, G, where the God, the, the manager, gives the talents to the different men. And the one of them actually goes and buries the talents. And what, is, what does the manager say? Or what does the, 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 um, 
the servants say to the manager when he comes back? He says, I, I, I interpreted you to be a harsh man. So out of his perception of the manager was how he dealt with what was given to him. And I believe that God is bringing us into a place as a Bristol Hope community and a community that I'm beginning to see rising up from the ashes of, of, of our own destruction, from the ashes of what God is, of what things have taken place in the past, of the ashes of what you've walked through. And God is giving us a grace, beginning to build something powerful where he's bringing restoration back to areas that we have long believed would never be under the lordship of King Jesus. He's bringing a healing back to our physical bodies, but then giving us, uh, giving us an authority to walk out that healing. Because, look, I, how, oh man, I, I don't want to, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Pray for me. Ready? Put your hand on your head. Say, God, help. Amen. I don't want to pray for the sick and have my health out of whack. I'll say it that way. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the man that when he can, when he is walking in relationship with other guys, they have a tough time. That they're having tough times in their marriage. That I'm not able to offer up something to them, or I'm not able to invite them to my dinner table because I know I'm not stewarding my marriage well. I don't want to. I want to be with what I want to be the fullness of what he's called me to be. I want to actually walk out the fullness of everything that he's drawn me to. And, and that clean manger mentality, that wanderlust, moving from you know, that nomadic lifestyle of never truly being content or present with Jesus and, and actually enduring the wave that we see on the screen makes us, it brings us to a place of, oh, it's God, it's like complacency. I, I have a desire to go beyond that. That out of out of the, the realness and the reality of what he's doing in our personal lives, we're beginning to see revival being taken place. We're beginning to see re revival, yes, is an absolute move of God. I fully believe that Holy Spirit wants to pour out a wave over the city. He wants to see transformation take place. But there's also to say for something that when he pours himself out, that he's able to pour himself out on a people that can sustain and maintain what he's doing. And that's key. That's integral. I desire to be that. I desire to be that when I've laid myself at the feet of Jesus or when I've come to the, through the fire that I'm able to say, Lord, I worship you with everything. I stayed undefended. I, 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 and I did, so, I did so out of a passion and a desire to see you as clear as I possibly can. I, I, I removed all distractions. You know, I, I remember being in a worship service some years ago and the guy got up and he, he's like, Lord, Remove distraction from us, God. Remove the things that are drawing our attention, God. Remove, and, and like, it, it sounded good. It sounded amazing. Don't get me wrong. And the anointing was there, but it's not like, it you ever have something that just, just didn't, tasted bad in your mouth? I'm like, if I'm on my phone and my wife is trying to have my attention and I require her to walk up and grab my phone in order for her to have attention, that's not real love. That's her living a power of living my life for me because I find myself powerless. I'd rather be at a place where I'm constantly seeking the feet of Jesus, knowing, Father, you're doing something in me. You're drawing me to a place so that I can walk in the fullness of what you've called me to, so that I can be as effective as what you've called me to be and continue to move. So, Lord, teach me. I'm okay with the tension. I'm okay. I, I, you know, and honestly, be real, because I wasn't real initially. Like, I, a lot of processes I've walked through, I've, got, I've been dragged through kicking and screaming. That, like, kicking and screaming. Like, the gremlin thing that I was talking to you about my kids, that was me. Like, but at, like, 30, bigger, hairier, and sweatier. Like, that was, you know, like, Jesus having to treat me like I'm having my temper tantrum. 
But there's something to say for recognizing the cost of following Jesus and coming out on the other side and seeing the fact that God gives you, de- gives you a design and a purpose. And that design and a purpose is to live effectively for him. It's not so that we can have good cars, you know, the ability to say, well, we have a healthy marriage. No, what does that healthy marriage lead to? I, you know, I'm doing well in my health. What does that actually lead to? Like, what are you doing to sustain? And that participation starts right here. Surrender. That's all it starts with. It starts with an unconditional yes. Well, John, I don't know, man. I've, I've tried this time and again. Good, try it again. Try it again. Get back at the feet of Jesus. But I know, but it's been years I've been struggling with this. Good, get back at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, but you don't understand. My wife and I, we have not been out communicating for years. Good, get back at the feet of Jesus. I, dude, I have tried every diet known to man. Good, get back at the feet of Jesus. I don't, I'm so scared for praying for people at work. Good, get back at the feet of Jesus. Is Jesus the only answer you have for every single situation? Yes, get back at the feet of Jesus. I have nothing else. I have nothing else. And honestly, I love this place. I love this place of not having any other book to give you, any other song for you to sing, any other poem for you to read, any other speaker for you to listen to. Whether you listen to me ever again or not, fine by me. Just please, for the love of Jesus, get back at his feet. Get back at his feet. Stand up. I want to pray for you. Mario, can you come on down, buddy? I want to. I want to wrap up. Um, I want to wrap up this morning. I uh, one of my one of my all time favorite things is um, <clears throat> so I lost. I lost the first time I ever felt vindication or a desire for vindication was when I lost one of my best friends to suicide. And uh, I had found his body after uh, a couple days not hearing him. And um, I, remember, I remember the encounter. It was awful, traumatic. Worked through it. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. And, uh, but I, I remember now I, I now, I now go after every form of mental torment. And uh, anytime someone says that they're, they're going through something, I'm like, let me pray for you. doesn't matter what it is. If I offend you, great, that's fine. But I need to pray for you because I want to see what I watched hurt him bow its knee at my feet or at, at, at King Jesus' feet. And vindication in the spirit is very different. It doesn't look like, uh, you know, like we see violence or vindication in, in the natural. You, you know, you get back, you get back something, somebody hurts you, you get them back for it. It's like in the spirit, in the spirit, of, it, it, it almost has that same bearance. But I, 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 want to, I want to pray for you because actually the reason why I was not able to speak last time was because I was in the hospital. And uh, I was diagnosed a couple years ago with atrial fibrillation. And uh, I have a passion uh, to see it's, I'm doing everything I know to do, right? I talk to you about health because I'm living it. I'm just being honest. Like, I, I work out four days a week. I take my supplements. I eat right, except when Rosie's Gourmet Bakery is bringing home goods after the baked goods uh, or after the weekend markets. Uh, pray for me. I need healing. Just being honest, okay? The cupcakes are amazing. Anyway, so the biggest thing, though, honestly, you know, for me, I'm doing everything I know to take care of my body. Because I'm going to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to be there to watch my boys you know, walk down the aisle. I'm going to be there when they're having their kids. I'm going to be there for my wife. I can't wait to sit old, wrinkled, and smaller, 97 years old, holding the hand of my bride, staring out at the generations that have come, that have come after us and looking at the legacy we're laying and leaving behind. I'm so excited for it. And uh, because the small decisions you make now will affect that 97-year-old you. Come on. 
Like, we can't play this game. Like, we can't make dumb decisions now and hope that the future doesn't change. Like, that's, it's all about the small things. And so I want to pray for, I want to release this as a word of knowledge. The first time I did this was about 12 years ago. I had an incredible, awful pain in my back. And I was driving to, a, I was going to be, I was working or ministering with a friend of mine and we were driving to the church. He was ministering that night. He said, dude, he said, why don't you give it as a word of knowledge? Pray for people. He said, if you got back pain, contend for the breakthrough for other people, man. He said, just start going violent after the, after the breakthrough for other people and watch what God does. And uh, not to be too graphic, I had a really bad cyst on my back um, that was actually inhibiting me from walking. Like I was actually like walking into uh, the service like that. I got up, still bent over, gave a word of knowledge. Six people got healed in their back. One guy actually had problems in his back, arthritis for five years, all the pain left him. I woke up the next morning completely healed. And so I'm a, this is a selfish word of knowledge, but nonetheless, I want to get violent for you. And I want to be violent on behalf of you. And I want to go after the kingdom of God because Matthew eleven twelve says that there's a, there's a life laid before us and that the kingdom has suffered violence on those that have sought it. And that violence has been afflicted. And so I want us to go after this kingdom because God is not withholding from us. He is not, he's not in any way, shape, or form trying to resist. You know, Proverbs says that it's for the glory of God to conceal a matter, but for the glory of kings to seek a matter out. What does that mean? It means that God hides things for us, not from us. So I have a desire to go after it. Amen? So listen, here's what I want you to do. If you have any issue, high blood pressure, any rhythmic issues, heart condition, cognitive, or um, uh, congenital issue, anything that you were born with, anything that you've developed, doesn't matter what it is. I don't need to know what it is. I just want you to slip up your hand. Anything at all that I can pray for. One, two, anything wrong with your heart, anything in your chest. If you have a back issue, in fact, I'm actually using it as a prophetic word. If you have a back issue today, you know what? We're going to go for backs too. I shared that testimony. We're doing it again. If you have a back issue, I want you to raise your hand. If you're standing around somebody that is, if you're standing around somebody that has their hand up, but you don't have your hand up, please reach, reach, push your hand towards them. We're going to do this as a family. Just put your hand towards you. You don't even have to touch them. Just keep your hand forward. I want to honor people's COVID boundaries. Although most of you don't have masks, so we're okay anyway. But anyway, are we ready? We're going to have some fun. Father, right now, everybody say this. In Jesus' name, infirmity, be broken now. Darkness, go. Pain, leave. I speak healing, restoration, rejuvenation, mobility, healing over this body. I command all heart issues to leave now. You must bow. We cancel your legal right. The blood of Jesus is now the final say. Backs be made whole now in Jesus' name. Arthritis, go in Jesus' name. Strained muscle, go in Jesus' name. Pain, you must leave. You're not welcome here anymore. My king is in authority. I speak life, life, life over this body now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a clap offering? I just want to pray for you as, as we break. If, if uh, I, I do want to put a plug in. There's going to be a, a, um, an initiative that we're launching here in the next couple of weeks that I'm really excited about. And it deals with pursuing breakthrough and creating essentially an altar team ministry for 
uh, for, for, the, for the church. We're here to serve you, here to bless you, pray for you, prophesy words of knowledge. We're really excited about what God is doing in this. And, I, and there's many, many more details to come, but I just want to honor Dave and Josh and, and you know, just uh, give a plug because this is something that we've been in the works for the past couple of months. Um, but there's more info to come. So please be praying for us because uh, we're really, really excited. But can I pray for you as I end today? Are you guys okay? Everyone all right? Yeah? Just put your hand on your heart. Father, I thank you so much for these incredible men and women of God. I thank you for these mighty sons and daughters. Lord, I thank you for your anointing, your rest. Lord, I, I thank you right now, God, that you that there, there's a purpose for the wave. <laughs> there's a purpose in the wave, Lord. And I ask right now, I thank you, Lord, for I thank you, Lord, for drawing us into a place of intimacy where we learn to trust you again. I thank you, Lord, like the young disciple who, who wanted, wanted before to, to seek after the duties that he had, Father, but that these people, I'm in the company of people who are willing to forsake all things. They're willing to put aside all other things. They're willing to put aside all distractions. They're willing to say, Lord, I don't want to be a nomad anymore. I want to walk in contentment with the Father. I don't want to be a man who seeks the, you know, one glory to the next glory just for the sake of my own benefit. I don't want to lust after God. I don't want to create a mindset that, you know, that inhibits me from thinking like you or walking like you or being like you. God, I want, to be the I want to be the full portion of a reward that you deserve. So Lord, would you train us, teach us, and equip us, but lead us in your kindness and your goodness because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We repent now, Father, and I, I, even now, Lord, I just, I make repentance a consistent behavior. It's not a one-time ask for forgiveness. It's a consistent, Lord, thank you for making, bringing me to a place of change because your kindness has led me to that place. I bless these mighty men and women. I bless their marriages. I bless their finances. I bless their health. I ask that you increase them now in Jesus' name, that you draw them to, into a place where they no longer care about the, the cleanliness of their stables, but they're willing to put in the work by surrendering to you. The work of saying, God, you have my yes. The work is, the work is simple, but it is not easy. And I thank you for giving them grace. I thank you for the power that you've placed inside of them. And I thank you that they are effective men and women of the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.